Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. After so much time away, you knew we couldn't just do an episode and then disappear for another month because we're back here on Times Ours. Now, yes, last week was just me and Nate Taylor as we returned back from what ended up being an accidental hiatus. But now we return. Seth Kaiser, no oral surgery for you today, sir. You're back with us here. And uh, along with you, me and Nate, Nate's on vacation. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Nate is on vacation. I don't know where he gets off thinking that he can take off uh, a solid eight-day stretch in the middle of the quietest part of the NFL offseason. But, Seth, I mean, you, you got last week and most of the last month away. I never take days never, off. Never. So definitely not for things that were probably in your I, calendar for months. I did need to let you know that I actually have my third vasectomy scheduled in 15 <laughs> minutes. And so, and so I'm, I'm not going to be able to, oh, oh, do people normally, do people normally remember they have surgery? It was a really minor surgery. I just, uh, I had to get, you know what? I'm not going to do this to you again. Cause I already horrified you in text messages. It was a thing to do with gums with teeth there and I'm fine. I'm doing well. Yeah. It wasn't Recovery's an emergency well. surgery, right? It wasn't, no. you're, you're good now. I would have you share the details again, but I personally, I like to listen to podcasts sometimes when I'm like having breakfast in the morning or maybe dinner at night, <laughs> maybe people like to do it during lunch or whatever. So just, you know, we're going to, Seth's teeth and gums are good for chewing and that's the only thing you need to know. <laughs> that's the situation you find I am ready. In. I am ready. My, my gums and teeth are ready to talk Chiefs. That's good. We should probably do it, at least a little bit of that. Um, you've had a treasure trove of content come out in the Chief in the North newsletter, and um, we are still a little ways away from training camp. We'll have time to do some mailbags and get the whole crew back together and everything. But we legitimately, I mean, since you've been on the show last, which is only missing one episode that we actually had, but uh, basically, <laughs> since, since I got married, you've written a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of very fun suggested reading on things like how Patrick Mahomes continues to break charts, uh, the top 12 most fun moments of the season. 
uh, plus some honorable mentions if you want to go and enjoy all of those. Uh, and then some other things that we will talk about within uh, today's show here. But do you need to give the the, the light sale to, to anybody for the, the stuff we're skipping over from if people maybe missed in their inbox at mnchiefsfan.substack.com where the, uh, sure. the, the older pieces have, have resided? And if you sign up right now, you get access to the entire archive, by the way. So if you're not subscribed yet, you you'll do. get them all. And one that's actually unlocked right now is the Outlier Part 2. It was a continuation of a project I've word. done before. Like it's from a language you don't really, you're not that comfortable with. How do you say Outlier? Just that way, exactly. You know, sometimes you lie to me and I'm just not sure what to do with this. This is like, is this like the bagel and bagel thing? Because I can't do this with you too. Because I am already in like a 10-year fight with my wife over this. That I'm sure if I just dig my feet in a little longer, I'm going to How does win. she pronounce the um, circular dough with the hole in the middle that's not a donut? It would be a bagel. In, to, to her to her speaking of it? Yeah, because yeah. you're a bagel guy, It's a right? bagel. Yeah, yep. I'm a bagel guy. you should guy. keep saying it like and that well, around that's people where, for the rest of your life. And I was giving her the hard... So, I, like, the other night, um, um, my, my son and his girlfriend were hanging out with us, so I wanted to give her a really good example of how a husband is passive-aggressive towards his wife. <laughs> So, so that way she's got good, good expectations for my son moving forward. Um, and so I was just like, oh, hey, honey, you know, there's a little mess over here. Do you need a rag? Um, you know, well, I don't want to nag you, but like, I mean, it's just like this whole over and over and over. And like, it's just nothing is pronounced like that. But whatever. It's it's a regional thing. How do you was outlier? No, I think you said it exactly right. I don't want to, because here's the thing is every time you pronounce a word wrong, it brings so much joy to me and presumably to our legions of listeners. And like, I, I'm developing a new sort of, um, a, a new school of thought. What I think I'm going to do, it's it's win-win because I'm going to build up your confidence and, and really just sort of continue to give you that positive reinforcement you need, even when you're wrong. It's going well. And then people around you will hear you more and more confidently say, oh, you know, that outlier. Oh, I said it correct. I'm accident. That outlier story. You know, that's just I thought it'd do well. But look at the comment section. It's a big old, it's a big old bagel in there. I, I've always hated it when people pronounce it outlier. I've heard it. I like outlier. I do, too. I'm going to be loudly and confidently wrong, Josh. Never stopped you before. <laughs> I think this is what, people like loud, confident, wrong Seth Kaiser. I think that's uh, that's 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 quite true. The ball knowing, loudly, irrationally confident. Well, that actually I was right. But be that as it may. So um, the talking about you don't need to relitigate any of that. Stuff. Or as you might say, relitigate. <laughs> Sorry. Come on. We're not going to get anything done, no, Briscoe. <laughs> um, so I, I wrote about how Patrick Mahomes continues to break charts. That one's actually unlooked. And so you can try just find it out at the newsletter. See, that was a gentle one. That was some gentle humor there. Um, you can check that out. It, it's unlocked. And, and I think you'll, it'll bring you a lot of joy just because it's really interesting to see how Mahomes five years into his career has remained a complete, um, it's spelled O-U-T-L-I-E. He, he has been a, a total anomaly uh, this whole time. <laughs> it would have I, I like Amanoli. That's hard to say. That is hard to say. And so I wrote about that. Um, and it's really cool to see how he really does stand out. You know, he's in the upper right of every chart. And you're not supposed to be able to do that after five seasons. 
and when you completely revamp your offensive line and when you completely revamp your offensive system, which they've done, by the way, which they can when they completely revamp, you know, without having Tyreek Hill. It's all this stuff and and all the NFL is supposed to catch up to you and humble you. And it's gone the other way around. I wrote about the most inarguable fun moments of the season. Of course, it's very arguable. I wrote about sequential play calling. I know that's something you want to talk about. I wrote about Trent McDuffie. And the last two weeks, I'm writing about uh, the roster. Whether I, I, when you look at this year's roster and last year's roster, whether the Chiefs are moving up or going down, I know we're obviously going to talk about some of that here. I do want to talk because I know one thing that I don't think we're going to have time to go through. I wanted to say really quick, talking about the most fun moments of the season. Um, That turned into a three-parter. It turned into honorable mentions. First, I expanded it from 10 well, I was originally going to do eight, then I had 10, then 12. And then I was like, I need to do a whole article on honorable mentions because like Air Mahomes wasn't part of it. And I was like, whoa, you know, and it's important when you think about like fun moments of a season in the moment. So like Air Mahomes against the Bengals, right? Because they lost the game, it's really easy to lose sight of how fun that moment was. And that's kind of what I go back to celebrate right? is like moments of the season that maybe you kind of forgot about because, you know, maybe they lost the game ultimately, but like, like the dizzying craziness of what it felt like to be a Chiefs fan when they were just dismantling the Broncos in Denver before the Broncos furious, like 20 point comeback, which was one of the weirder games of the year. Things like that is what I meant to celebrate. But I just wanted to ask you this. If you agree with me on something here. Okay, probably not. I, you know, um, my the third most fun moment of the season, I, I won't say what number one and number two were. The third most fun moment I said is the rebuilding pettiness post-Super Bowl. And I just wrote that one of the reasons we watch sports is to be right about something. Mm. We, and I mean, we, that's why there's so many sports fans that are kind of miserable because what they really like is to complain about, you know, the coach, the GM, the players and, you know, cheese fans, we have virtually nothing to complain about anymore. So we've gotten to stomp that out, but we want to be right. You know what I mean? You, we want to look at people dead in their eye and say from our chest, I told you, I mean, like, you know, I did after the Super Bowl. You keep circling back to that. It's crazy how that keeps coming up. And so do you think, did you have as much fun as I did with that? Because I had a ball. And then there was like the backlash to the whole rebuilding thing when the Chiefs gave this, you know, the Super Bowl speeches and, and like Mahomes talked about rebuilding. And then SB Nation did an entire article mm-hmm. calling the Chiefs the Super Bowl champions of gaslighting, which shout out to SB Nation, my old stomping grounds. That was a terrible article. Don't know why anyone approved <laughs> that. But, you know, I appreciate everything that SB Nation does, except that because that was weird. But. Did you enjoy that as much as I did? Because I thought it was amazing. I was just really trying to like get to the bottom of what my answer would be and why it would be what it is. And I, I think I have a a true but way less fun truth behind all of that, which is that I did not enjoy it as much because I do a lot of radio every day. And I, uh-huh. I just think that's it. Like, I don't think it means yep. it shouldn't be enjoyable for you or anybody listening or whatever. But I I have found myself a little more often more recently being being just a, a not not fully having taken the red pill. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. 
I, I feel like I can see a little bit of the matrix sometimes in, in the sports mm-hmm. media landscape. And I know you, you also feel that way at times, but like within the, well, you know, I've, I've just talked about this so much. <laughs> this has come through, yeah. this has come down the line so often. And this has been on Twitter so aggressively um, that and I'm like the, the range between having a little bit of that during last season of kind of like, Hey guys, the, the chiefs are coming here again. Like everyone would be better off. if You just admitted this. I, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed a little bit of the, especially post-Bengals AFC Championship game and the Burrowhead and the Jabroni and all of that. That had some some great energy to it. Um, and then I enjoyed, I enjoyed awesome. the, I've enjoyed the championship tour that has sort of come with that, that has had its petty moments from uh, Kelsey yes. at SNL to Mahomes and the Rings and That's Who and all of that, which is very, very recent pettiness, but... Which is, by the way, that's one reason it's so great to have a rival. Yes. And, like, the thing is, low-key, I kind of like, like, the Bengals coaches and players. Like, I like most of them. They seem, they're good players. They work hard. They, they're they a legitimate rival because they've beaten the Chiefs. Except for Big Like, Lou. people take it so Go pers- get a head coaching job, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone give Big Lou a head coaching job. I'm tired of him having really good game <laughs> plans that are different every time. But, like... It, it that you see that happen, you know, rivals bring that out. But I, I just I just had to point that out, like because you use some of the pettiness there. And then here's the other thing. The Chiefs didn't really get a Super Bowl. They had a Super Bowl parade last time, right. obviously. And then like immediately after that, I mean, you know, we all remember. We don't need to rehash. 2020 was a weird sure, year. Sure, That's one way you could say it for sure. I was there was a lot going on. A lot was happening. And so the Chiefs didn't really get to do all this stuff. And they are savoring this moment. And that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed the, you know, people, people getting mad about the Lombardi trophies being at the draft, which Kansas City hosted and all everything in that realm. I I have. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a new phase of the Chiefs. That especially if they continue to be as successful as they've been the last five years, they've been by far the most successful team in the league the last five years. And that's not even really debatable at this point. If they keep it up, like they, they've they they've started to ascend from really, really good, they you know, good team, really, really good team, great team. And the, the next phase is villain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. Dynasty slash villain. And I'm totally here for it. Like, I just, I love it so much. One other thing with the inarguable most moments. And from there on, I'm handing it back off. I'm no longer going to even attempt to drive. Do you remember how fun it was when Arrowhead made uh, Sheffer's voice oh, speak? Because yeah. that was an incredible moment. No, that one ruled. I love that. There was no penalty for blocking the back. <laughs> it was like, and this dude's been doing it for a minute. It's not like he scares easy. Um, and I'm sure he probably just inhaled wrong or had to cough, maybe. But from what I've heard from fans that were at that game, they were like, no, I have never heard Arrowhead that irate or that loud. And so that was, it's just, these are just the little things, you know, we can have like a podcast where we just talk about dudes. One of the great things after a Super Bowl winning season, you can just have a podcast where you just talk about moments and they were all awesome. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was, uh, boy, what was it? I was I was going through, listening to something on the way home and kind of having that realization of like, um, it was, oh, I, I was I was listening to the, uh, we, we can just take it over here actually, if you want, this will, this will smooth up nicely. I was listening 
because uh, the Substack app has a, a great listen feature to your uh, your, your story <laughs> about the offensive roster. This moving up, going down, part one, part two. Um, and it was listening to you to to the the AI voice on uh, on Juju Smith Schuster, who you wrote about, and I, I wanted to talk more specifically about the wide receiving core for the Chiefs and and where that's moved. Because with a little little spoiler alert here, you you in this piece come off a little more concerned than most people covering the Chiefs right now. I think and I think your reason for mm-hmm. it is all really good, and that we should. I, I just wanted to unpack it some. But it also spawned like the secondary thought of, you know, I'm going like way out into the distance here, but you know, in 20 years, we're probably going to have the sentence or I'm going to say, or someone's going to say to me, remember Juju Smith Schuster want to ring with this team? I'm going to go, Oh yeah. yeah, he did. Now, didn't he have like almost a thousand yards for that team? Wasn't he pretty big part of it? And, and just the details that get lost when you zoom out, because it, it's already happening yep. to me from one Super Bowl to the next, just in terms of like, there was a Tyron Matthew one and a Justin Reed one. That's kind of weird. Um, but yeah. uh, Juju is a funny one just because I think for impact in a one-year sample size is is going to be one of the more interesting examples. Um, so let's let's talk about that some in, in the, the series up on the newsletter right now, taking a look at both sides of the ball, if the group's in a better place right now than it was uh, last year. And on the offensive side, there are some easy ones where – um, the quarterback position changed only behind Mahomes. The tight end position, you've... you've I, I, I skipped running backs on You accident. did skip running backs. I didn't catch it when I was listening to I literally didn't write about them. Someone replied to my yeah. tweet when I tweeted about the article, like, man, Seth taking this running back still matter thing to a whole new level. Like, uh, boy, am I overcompensating for defending the CEH traffic. So like, we can talk about that. You like, know, there's a sort of a, a, a Time Zars exclusive. Yeah. I, I genuinely, it's because it's the same three dudes, and I just, I just spaced it's, it out. It's Daenerys in Prince in Ronald Jones's spot. Yeah. And we know about Pacheco. And, and know, maybe, you know, McKinnon's year older. Yeah, we know who Pacheco is. He, he's he got some room to develop. Running backs generally don't develop a ton in the league, but the areas he could develop, receiving and pass protection, are areas they usually do. So that's great. We know who McKinnon is. We also know the Chiefs aren't going to play him much early in the season because they want him healthy in the last two months, which is the correct way to use Jarek McKinnon. Um, We know who Clyde is. And I actually listened to you and Nate last week um, talking about how he does have a valuable role on the team and how he's also in maybe the most unique position on the entire team. And one that I don't think is probably particularly fun. No, I bet it's not. And and I mean, especially as a guy that came in as a star and like the team kind of gave him the star type treatment, even coming into last year. And he was playing well early in the season before he got hurt. And then, you know, just you could see the, the man, you know, people talk about football being a game of inches. But what do you think is the difference between how far Isaiah Pacheco goes in the first five yards versus... Clyde Edwards Alaire. It's probably like a one yard difference in those five yards, right? Like, you know, it's there's like a 0.01 difference between the two of them in those steps. And that makes that big of a difference. That's kind of sad. Yes. Like that's it's just hard. Um, but no, I skipped over them and but I, I felt like you were gonna gloss over quarterbacks, so I cut you off because I'm rude in part. But I just wanted to say shout out to Chad Henney. Enjoy retirement. Yeah. Because I, I said the quarterbacks are very slightly down, and that was a nod to Chad Henney being gone. Sorry, Blaine Gabbert, but until I see you step in at like 
Is there a worse situation no. than Chad Henney got thrown into? No, I don't think so. And it's why I do think you made a good point. I just, we can't go through every position and people should go read it. But um, the idea of like, you know, Blaine Gabbert checks all the boxes, but I've never seen him thrown into a terrible spot in a playoff game and was told to save the season. And I've seen Chad Henney do it twice. So <laughs> it's like, hey, Chad, you know how you haven't played it all this year? Go save the season. I like that. Like, hey, by the way, now, with a special appearance by Travis Kelsey in the divisional round. Like, hey, what you're going to do is just find Travis, okay? Just find or, Travis. He will be or, open. hey, you've got like four yards. Throw it to 10. Like, hey, but you know, <laughs> big players, big moments. <laughs> yep. But anyway, so you were moving to tight ends. Same group of guys. Past tight ends, if I'm um, being honest. Uh, it, it, the, the little bits yeah. about like how are they going to adjust Kelsey's workload is something we should talk about over time. But I really do want you to talk about yeah. receivers in particular, because, again, th- yes. there's there's an air of concern that comes through in in your analysis. And and frankly, I mm-hmm. think maybe as you, uh, I think, also kind of surmise, we might be a little too comfortable with a group that has even more questions than it did this time last year. And, and including one guy who we never talk about anymore. That guy is McCole Hardman. Yeah. And that's, I love that you brought that up. So I will, I'll caveat it with this. If people think that I'm turning into a pessimist, I have to miss offensive line than some people are. Um, I don't think, well, you know what? We can go into that some other time if we want. With wide receivers though, if last year was kind of like a proof of concept that when you have Mahomes, Kelsey and Reed, you don't need a strong wide receiver core. I guess I get that. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman isn't a, a terrible trio. You don't have a legit one in there, but Juju Smith-Schuster is a legit two. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a legit three. And McCole is kind of like, he's a legit, you know, guy who can fill a niche and he can kind of, he, he can do some things for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then Travis Kelsey's your one. So it kind of makes sense numbers-wise, right? There's a huge difference between doing that and then not having a number two receiver who's proven or a number four receiver who's proven or really anyone who's really proven a combination of productive and healthy. And outside of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the Chiefs don't have that other than maybe what, Richie James? I mean, productive is, I like Richie James. Productive is a huge word for what he's done. Exactly. Richie James is more of a guy who his profile is worse than MVS's was when it came when he came to the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. By quite a bit. Yeah. By a fair margin. He hasn't, and, last and, year, last year, he he did not. He had five hundred and sixty nine yards receiving last year in, in a career best. And, and hey, in that Giants offense, that's not bad. He is a he is a, a, a guy that should be on an NFL roster, maybe grabbing some snaps here and there. Um, and maybe he surprises us. There's some people that are that are convinced um, I was talking to, to Sterling Holmes, and he's convinced that Richie James is going to, you know, get her done. I was but about I to mean, credit Sterling for something else later. He also lo- does love Richie James. I can't mention him twice in this show, but you're well, right. Well, I mean, he also, eats, he also eats cinnamon rolls at weddings before you're supposed <laughs> to. So. He is really, we, boy, I tell you what, that's one that we could litigate now that Nate's gone. What, what, what do you mean? No, I just did. I just I just have some very uh, specific questions for you and the sort of lawyerly advice you gave to Sterling. Um, I didn't think he'd actually eat them. I was like, yeah, sure. Go nuts. I'm not going to do it, but you go nuts. And 
that was not the correct thing to say. <laughs> no, you you thinking that Sterling essentially wouldn't follow through on a dare is actually your fault. That it, this is yeah, the most no. it's been your fault. I'm 38. This, this is my responsibility. I get it. I this is <laughs> and, and Jazz basically said that. She's like, I cannot believe you said that to him. So now you know, in case you were somehow curious after years of knowing us, that Jazz does have a much better head on her shoulders than I do. Yeah. Um, that was my bad. That that was my bad. Should have thought that through. Um, she that, has a much better on head on her shoulders than you do. And Sterling had a much earlier cinnamon roll in his belly than the rest of us did. I mean, it happens. <laughs> hey, at least you got to eat at your wedding. Jazz and I, by the time we got done saying hi to everyone, the food was gone. At your wedding, not at mine. At, at our wedding. Yeah, yeah. You left, yeah. you left before the food at my wedding, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, I know how it goes. The party can't really start until the Baptists leave. And so we got out of there. I could tell everyone was trying so hard to behave themselves. Like, okay, let's let these good people have fun on their way to hell. And we'll just. Kind of get out of <laughs> well, if um, I would have known that was the deal. I would have made a few different suggestions for the wedding itself. Yeah. There's all sorts of things we could have done differently. Just in case people are wondering, we just needed to get on the road. We were driving 10 hours home. I didn't um, realize we could have, I didn't realize we could have had a Baptist and a, uh, and a secular wedding. Yeah, here, here we're going to listen to hymns and not sway, but think about swaying. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. No, no crying aloud at a Baptist wedding. Oh, for the love of all things good. Oh, by the way, um, Renee and her dad had me bawling like a baby. I, I've, I've reached that age to where your guys is like the, the wedding part, wedding part was great. But the, the, you know, Isabel's getting a little older. She's 10 now and, and the dance whatever. Is what got you? Not just no the the when he gave her away, mm, and you don't you don't have to because she didn't I don't she didn't see it um because brides never see it this happens at every wedding basically okay basically every wedding um you know the the dad will you know meet the bride somewhere and he'll walk her up and they'll have a moment to where they talk for just a second and then you know they face forward and they move forward right mm-hmm. this happens at virtually every wedding it happened at yours and I'm not sure if she noticed it. She saw him. They smiled and gave her a little hugs. She said something funny in his ear. I think they kind of chuckled. And then she turned away and looked at you. And his face went from like the face he had on for her <laughs> to how he was really feeling. And it has nothing to do with you. Let me assure Which was, you. Was, oh, my yeah. God. My daughter's marrying a radio host. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was okay. When I say nothing to do with you, I'm, I'm going pretty fast and loose with nothing. She could have married a doctor. But yeah, <laughs> I think that guy sitting over there with the short hair is a lawyer. Uh, he seems to really like that blonde lady, though. Um, yeah, I thought it was inappropriate for him to be trying to find husbands at the wedding, too. But uh, no, it was a it was a cool moment. And, and brides almost always miss it because they're focused on their groom. And they should be. You guys are focused on each other. It was a beautiful wedding. It was awesome. You guys did a great job with it. But- um But no, no, there's no but there. It's just it's always interesting. That moment tore me to pieces because... It's such a dad thing to not show that person that you're devastated because it's their day. She's and you're marrying just, an idiot. No, it's you just you don't. Let me just tell you. Can I uh, uh, real talk? Oh, no. let me just tell you in a tiny little picture. Hey, we don't um, have Nate, so we do have a shorter Zoom meeting than usual. That's oh, yeah. I know <laughs> uh, we can get through this. Dads will appreciate it. So my 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 daughter, Isabel, is 10. Last year, she drew a picture of herself holding hands with another boy for the first time, right? And 
the only reason we found out that's what she was doing. Well, it's a long story. Okay. So she, I saw the picture and it was her and this boy holding a picture or holding hands. And what I realized as I looked at the picture is that she had never in her entire life drawn a picture of her holding hands with a boy who was not me. And I went into our, and I said, wow, that's a great picture, honey. And I smiled at her and I said, good night, whatever. And I went into our room and I told Jazz that hurt way more than I thought it would. And that's, that's the whole thing there. And it's impossible to understand. And I'm, I'm playing the, the, you know, oh, you'll never get it, car. It's impossible to understand until you're a dad with a daughter and you're like, oh, that's why they're all raving lunatics at their daughter's weddings. Because for them, it's kind of a funeral. Terrible stuff, but totally true. Now imagine how devastated you'd be if she was holding hands with a stick figure holding a microphone. <laughs> with, oh no, no, no! I, I, I would have, I would have burned it and locked <laughs> at that point. It would have been. Imagine, imagine if, if, if there was just instead of a dollar sign above the guy's head, it actually had a <laughs> negative sign in front of that dollar sign. That's just, that's what I'll be offering. Anyway. Honey, honey, <laughs> not in my house. Not in my house. So the wide receiver group, the the problem that- A beat reporter, maybe. A journalist, sure. Yeah. Yeah. A pundit? Yeah, a pundit. A talking head. And not even a talking head. A talk, a disembodied voice? (laughs) (laughs) My daughter's marrying a narrator? I'm going to tell you after the show what I tore what I tore a page of for that bit, by the way. It's just funny. Oh, um, that's a good bit. So, well, uh, yeah, the anyway. Wide receivers. <laughs> people can't. I mean, it's been a long time since we've done this show. So the floor, gotta... the floor is scary, and it's different than how it was last year because, and again, Juju Smith-Schuster does not make or break an offense. He doesn't. The ceiling is always going to be Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed. However, there were games last year you know, the Bengals, the Bills, a few others, where, I mean, the Colts even, where some issues with separation against man coverage mm-hmm. hurt That's them. the thing. I feel like people have forgotten that part. We talked about that a lot. Yep, and, and they and they adapted. And Andy Reid, they, they have a ton of, uh, of different route combinations that can beat man coverage. And so they can do some of those things. And there's a lot of talent. Like Sky Moore has a lot of talent, I think. I think Rasheed Rice has a lot of talent. Uh, they, they've got guys. And, and even having, like, say, like a Richie James type who is like Justin Watson, except a little faster. Like, not long speed. Justin Watson's pretty fast. But, I mean, a little quicker. Mm-hmm. That, that matters. But it's just, it's a risk. And some of those games did happen. And so that's where you have to, like... That, that, that matters for consistency, not for the ceiling. The ceiling of the offense is still going to be incredibly elite, easily the best in the NFL. But how consistent you can be, there's, there's a lot of ifs there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, I'm going to pick just one spot on the defensive side because I do want to talk to you about the other reviews and stuff. So you want to read more of the other position groups on the offense, up on the newsletter, on the defense, up on the newsletter. But I I feel like there is a clearly two position groups getting talked about the most for the Chiefs this offseason, wide receiver and defensive line. Maybe most specifically edge. And I think right now we're all like a pretty chill place on Chris Jones. who's kind of waiting on Quinn and Williams. And so we don't need to have like a, a full panic fest about that. But if he, you know, gets traded, we'll do an emergency pot or something. But when you when you go through the defensive line and you look at as you layered it out, a, a lot of big snaps are gone. There are some obvious guys lined up to fill those gaps. But there, there are a lot of snaps missing, and I, I thought that you laying it out the way that you did made that land. So where's your optimism and, and where's your concern across the D-line? You know, this this maybe helps bounce out my pessimism about the wide receiver room, which again, ceiling higher than last year's. So uh, maybe I'll close on that so people don't yell at me. Um, the defensive line, the more I looked at the defense, the more cautiously optimistic I got. The With, with defensive line, the one thing that that bothers me right now is that as things stand, they seem like they're counting on FAU to eat up seven or eight hundred snaps. Maybe not quite that many, like, say, 500 snaps, like Dunlap's number of snaps last year. And that's a lot to ask of a rookie like Karloftis led them at edge and snaps last year. But most edge rushers can't come in and be non weaknesses their first year. Hats off to Karloftis that he wasn't. It's hard to do a couple years in a row. But overall, on the defensive line, I like their top talent more than I did last year. I think, and I think I've said this to you before, that I thought Mike Dana was probably their second best pass rusher last year. Yep. And so I think their top four guys of Dana, Amenahu, Jones, and Karloftis is better than their top four last year because I really like Amenahu. I, I think he's a guy, especially from the interior, he rushes really well, but I think he rushes from the edge a little bit better and a little bit more consistency than we got from Clark at this point in Clark's career. So I think they're fine there. And I think they've they've got replacements like Tershawn Wharton can replace some of Colin Saunders' pass rush snaps from the interior, right? And a man whose ability to rotate inside. And Jones can rotate outside. So they've got the bodies generally to get there, but I feel like they're missing a veteran defensive end. Like 
they they basically what I'm waiting to see happen, and you guys addressed this, I think, last week. If they, you know, let's say they extend Chris Jones, then they give Carlos Dunlap a call and say, hey, do you want to sign? But just like on like, I don't know, August 15th or something Mm -hmm. like because those 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 St. Joe summers get hot. And also, you know, who could use those reps? Felix and Karloff this like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know who doesn't need them even a little a guy that's been in the league for 13 years. Carlos, can you pass the uh, the 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 required physical testing when you get here? Yeah. Is this, we're going to put you on the Jarek McKinnon plan. Yeah. That, like, here's part of your contract. Nah, you don't need to do OTAs, buddy. Like, which is amazing, by the way. Shout out to Jarek McKinnon. But I, that, that to me, would make me feel a lot better because I think the ceiling is higher for this group um, than it was last year. I, I like Karloftis. I think he can take a step forward. Dana's gotten better every year, even if he just gets a little bit better. I really like the idea of Amenahu and Jones rushing next to each other because of the way they both win. I think they're going to give some teams problems, but they just feel like they're a body short to me. Unless FAU steps in as a ready-made average NFL defensive lineman like Karloftis did last year. And again, it's it's just not easy to do. Here's where my math problem ends up coming together. Not that I'm bad at it, but... I, I understand. I, I feel, again, like, you know, the adding Carlos Dunlap back in, having a veteran would make the group better. But from a roster construction standpoint, this might be a bad reason, just count out with me. George Karloftis, Charles and Minihue, Mike Dana, Felix and Yudika Uzama, BJ Thompson, who they just drafted, Malik Herring, who they seem to really like, Josh Kando, former draft pick, um, Truman Jones, Harvard, undrafted free agent. But if you... If you cut that off, including B.J. Thompson and Malik Herring, you're at six defensive ends. Do they is there enough of a jump to make from Carlos Dunlap from Malik Herring to a Carlos Dunlap? Do they do the rare thing and cut a a day three draft pick in B.J. Thompson and try to sneak him to the practice squad? Or can they try to sneak Malik Herring? I, I see the space at the top of the roster. And this is also makes me feel similarly to the wide receiver group. It feels like they have a full depth chart. But to your point, if you could make one of them a guaranteed average starter, we could be done talking about it. I just don't know who's going to be there. Right. And that's, you know what, that's a really good point, because who do you chop off? Because you are giving up a developmental guy. Um, Like you said, they seem to like Malik Herring. Um, And B.J. Thompson is a guy who probably, because of the tools, wouldn't survive the practice squad. Yeah. And so I think probably because of the frame wouldn't survive as a rotational edge in year one. Reasonable argument, right? I mean, and so, no, for sure. That is one thing I was looking here because if I just listed guys that I don't think they'd want to cut, I've got, I mean, Jones, Amenahu, Karloftis, Dana, FAU, Herring, Naughty, Coburn. And that's if like we're going through because they're going to keep Naughty tackles and you're, you're definitely 10 deep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I even forgot to, oh man, I didn't put Tershawn Wharton on this list. Although I did talk about him later, so that's you fine. You talked about super, him, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, it's hard to find the spot for him. I assume they'll probably, my guess would be Herring would be the guy to go, which yeah, is a I bummer because I think they like him. But it, it's, it, that is a really cogent point. There are not a lot of available roster spots on this right. roster. Yeah. They, you, you guys hit on that last week and I could not agree more. Like when I was going through this, that was one of the things that stood out to me. It's like, oh, you know, uh, who might be that that uh, special teams tight end? I'm like, nobody. They got four dudes that they like, and yeah. and and they're gonna. That's gonna absorb the fullback spot. Is a fourth tight end. And there there are not 
there's there's a couple of roster spots up for grabs, and that's it. We are uh, we're gonna run short up on time here. Like oh my literally, gosh, there's a timer there. Now, this is I know, terrifying. A, but so this this is gonna have to put a clock in your head. I'll tell you, I'll take care of the outro today. You don't even have to worry about it. But gotcha, um, ready. Give give me uh, just just the ethos of sequential play calling, and we might just have to talk about Trent McDuffie when Nate's here next time. Um, sequential play calling. Oh man, we should really unlock this more. It's basically the idea that not every play call is designed just to try to gain yards. And sometimes early in games, not even primarily to gain yards. Sometimes it's to set something up down the road that week or in future weeks. And there are really cool examples of it. One of them includes corn dog. Um, and that was one of my favorite articles to write all year. Oh, it doesn't give a second, Josh. It just says less than one minute. Less than one minute on the Zoom. So uh, we will talk about that and McDuffie more because I don't think any other earth-shattering Chiefs news is going to happen in the next week. Seth, it's been great to actually do the show with you again, and I'm just going to let you go, and then I'm going to tell people where to get all of your work and Nate's work and our work collectively. That sounds great. All right, Batman exit for Seth, and uh, it's it's over. Seth has been set free. And uh, and I will continue to tell you where we go from here. So this is, of course, been Times Ours. I hate doing the outro for the show. I usually make Seth do it when Nate's not here, but I'll tell you now. Uh, you can uh, follow Nate's work all on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. You can read his work at theathletic.com. As always, you want to check out the latest deal to subscribe to The Athletic. You can do that at theathletic.com slash Times Ours. Uh, Seth is on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. You can read all of the stories we talked about in today's show at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Probably mention that more often. You can follow me across social media uh, at jbbriscoe, J-B-B-R-I-S-C-O, and uh, all across the airwaves at Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. So uh, you can follow us across socials if you haven't already. Sorry that it's just a smidge on the shorter shot side here although i think between me and seth today and me and nate last week i think we're still averaging a clean hour so we literally just like had a different recording set up because nate wasn't here and i didn't think about it till the show started going on so thanks for uh tolerating our um i don't know uniquely length podcasts as they continue to be over the years and uh i i know we have it up to talk about again next monday so i'm gonna do my very best i'm gonna see if i can get all three of us together and we'll talk to you again next week on Times. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.